Well, it's no jab, no play. That's pretty much the indication from the Australian politicians about any player that wants to enter to get to Melbourne Park to play the Australian Open. There's a lot to talk about, plus a big Indian Wells. Nobody saw what happened in both events coming, really. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo, and Joel Frucci, as he always does, he joins me uh, from the other side of Melbourne, but it's kind of a freedom day now where we can actually go outside our 15-kilometre radius and we can uh, – what else can we do, Joel? There's there's some things. We can go outside our houses after 9 o'clock. How good yes, that? Yes, I know. Oh, my God. I, I almost did it at midnight. Nine oh one. I know. Oh god, I'm, I'm going. I'm going for a drive tonight. Don't you worry. I'm good. going for a drive tonight. Um, but no, how um how have you been? It has been a, a while since we've uh, we've caught up. I think it's been about three weeks. Um, we have seen each other in the meantime, but um, it has been yeah. uh, has been three weeks since we've done a show. So how's things? Yeah, going pretty well, mate. And uh, you and uh, all the listeners will notice that I'm sounding uh, a little bit more clear. Uh, on this episode, I, of course, went to your place, checked it out. Beautiful place. And um, we actually bought a couple of mics at the start of 2020. <laughs> and in the time that has elapsed since then, we have just not been able to see each other. No. Um, and so I finally picked mine up because, of course, we didn't know lockdown was coming when we bought them. So you had both. No, but we've got I've three. Got we bought three. Yeah, that's right. We've got, that's right. We've got three, actually. So now I've got one. I sound a lot better. And uh, it's sounding as as clear and as crystal clear as the beers I'm going to drink tonight. Oh, uh, yes, that sounds good. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be very good. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty well, mate. And um, yeah, that geez, Indian Wells. Whew, that was did insane. not see that coming. That was insane. Well, Cam Norrie winning singles was surprising, and Luke Saville, uh, our good friend on the show, actually played doubles with him. Um, at Indian Wells, and we are going to have a chat to Luke about his year as a whole because it has been. Well, very, very tough for the Australians. It hasn't been easy for any of them, really, because they, they haven't really been able to come home. And if they did, they're sacrificing pretty much a month of the season to actually get back to Europe or the US, wherever they're going, because of quarantining and then seeing people and then doing a training block. So there kind of hasn't really been any point to come back. But um, we will chat to Luke Saville about that. We'll chat more about Indian Wales in a sec. But no jab, no play, Joel. That's the the indication we are getting from the politicians, from Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, from uh, Martin Pakula, good friend on this show as well. He's um he's indicated sort of similar on uh, on SEN here in uh, here in Melbourne on Sports Talk Radio and um and also uh, the federal uh, federal ministers as well have both or have all said that you need to be double vax for any tennis player that wants to come in here and play the Australian Open and. Look, I think it's fair enough, Joel. If you're coming into the country and you want to rep or be a member of the Australian public for however long you're here, um, I think coming and just to protect the country, I guess, from other strands of the virus, I think double vaccine for travel at the moment is is the way to go. Yeah, well, it's really no surprise. And I think, to be honest, it's probably going to be the way forward. And honestly, I could probably see more places around the world kind of following suit. Um, with this approach, certainly, I think in the tennis world, a lot of other events will probably follow suit as well. But look, it's really no surprise that, particularly in Victoria, that uh, I guess this has been put on the on the tennis players that um, when you come here, you have to be double vaccinated. I think it's fair enough because um, for any international listeners that that don't know, um, the COVID nineteen vaccine has been mandated for quite a lot of industries here in um, in Victoria and. Really, I mean, we're only coming out of lockdown 
what at 70% um, fully vaccinated. So that really tells the story of, uh, of how the, the authorities here are, uh, are tackling this. And look, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not only, it's not only a single person's choice and how it affects them. And this is just some of the, the some of the rhetoric that's really annoyed me from a lot of the players um, talking about, you know, their, their hesitancy. And I won't name them because I don't want to, I don't want to give their uh, opinion any credence really, but they all seem to be talking about how they're unsure about, uh, you know, the side effects of the vaccine and, you know, long-term effects, um, which by the way, um, if, if you would rather the long-term effects of COVID than be my guest, but that's what they all seem to be saying. And well, Look, unfortunately, it's not just about your own well-being. It's about the well-being of everyone because that's how vaccines work. The more people that get them, the less chance that you will contract COVID-19 and the less the less chance that everyone else will contract COVID-19. And, you know, further to that as well, seeing as the vaccine has been mandated in a lot of industries, Val, I think, I think the authorities really had no choice but to mandate it for athletes and tennis players coming into the country as well. Um, or coming into Melbourne, because then I guess from a publicity point of view, it kind of looks like, you know, rules for thee, but, you know, others for, for me sort of thing. So, you know, I think they really had no choice. But look, at, at the end of the day, yeah, it's got to be done because, yeah, I mean, there could be other strains that that pop up that we don't know about that, you know, that come in or, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's about, it's about the well-being of the collective. It's yeah. about the greater good here. And, you know, certainly players coming from America, they should be all too aware of that, considering how often the Americans relate that line, the greater good. This is very much about the greater good. So, look, I'm all for it, to be honest. Yeah, me too. And, and I think, well, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp summed it up really well. And he said, I don't take the vaccination to all. I, if I say I'm vaccinated, the other people say, how can you tell me I should be vaccinated? Um, it's a little bit like drink driving. We all probably were in a situation where we had a beer or two and thought we could still drive, but because of the law, we're not allowed to drive, so we don't. But this law is not here for protecting me when I drink two beers and want to drive. It's pro- for protecting all the other people because I'm drunk and we accept that as a law. I don't take the vaccination only to protect me. I take the vaccination to protect all the people around me. I don't understand why that's a limitation of freedom because if it is, then not being allowed to drink and drive is a limitation of freedom as well. I got the vaccination because I was concerned about myself, but even more so about everybody around me. If I get COVID and suffer from it, my fault. If I get it and spread it to someone else, my fault and not their fault. Well said. And Jurgen Klopp, absolute superstar of a man. That is, it's it's a perfect yeah. explanation of it. It is. Um, That's exactly what this is. Yep, a hundred percent. And and the worrying thing is, and Scott Gullen reported this in the Herald Sun in Mel- one of Melbourne's major newspapers. Um, it won't be, and we'll get to Djokovic in a sec, but it won't be just the men- best men's player who will be missing uh, with both men's and women's tours having more than a third of the players not yet fully vaccinated. So the ATP is at sixty five percent, and the women are on sixty percent. So that means thirty five percent of the men and forty percent of the women won't be allowed to play the Australian Open at this stage. But that will obviously um, decrease drastically. But Novak Djokovic, geez, he just, oh God, he just, he loves the controversy, <laughs> doesn't he? He just can't. You have been simmering about this. He can't say the right thing, can he? 
I will not reveal my status, whether I've been vaccinated or not. It's a private matter and an inappropriate story. Oh, it's not a private matter at all. It's not. Every, it's not a what, private matter at all. It's, it's hey, Joel, have you been vaccinated? It's such a public matter. It's not even funny. It is so public. People have, need to know if you're vaccinated exactly. or not. Exactly. Have you been vaccinated, Joel? I have indeed been vaccinated, yes. Got so one two I. weeks ago, my second shot. So have I. Double vaxxed. That's, that's not private. I, I couldn't care yeah. less how many people know. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's it's like he's doing it to spite the general public. And then he said, people go too far, um, uh, too far these days in taking liberty to ask questions and judge a person. Of course I want to go. Australia is my most successful Grand Slam tournament. I'm following the situation regarding the Australian Open and I understand the final decision will be made in two weeks. I believe there will be a lot of restrictions just like this year, but I doubt there will be too many changes. So Novak just again has not read the room here. Obviously doesn't understand that Melbourne has been through the most extensive lockdown out of any city on this planet. The yeah, most extensive. It has been mentally painful, physically painful, exhausting, terrifying, awful, horrible, disgraceful, every superlative in the book for what this past 18 months has been. The tennis players and a lot of them misre- uh, didn't read the room when they came here last time. And Novak still continues to have um, beat that same drum. And it's just like, okay, Novak, just sit here. Look at the stats. Look at the amount of people that have gone into hospital in Melbourne uh, as of July having the vaccine. 5% or 4%, whatever the stat was. 11% yes. had had one dose. 85% of COVID patients in hospitals were unvaccinated at all. If that doesn't show that it works, I don't know what does. Yeah. It's it's real world proof. Yeah. It's real world proof. That's I mean that's really all really all you can say and uh, Yeah. And know, if he doesn't the, want to come, don't come. Don't come. Yeah. It's exactly, as simple exactly. as that. And Stefano Tsitsipas, he said he's he said similar things which was which was concerning. Um but he's had his first jab. Dominic Team's waiting for Novavax to come out next month, but he'll be here. He'll be double vaxxed by then. He said that he's got no problems with it. Daniel Medvedev, another one, maybe along the Djokovic lines. He wouldn't reveal his vaccination status. So it'd be interesting if him and Novak both um, are both under that cloud. So I'm not sure. Yeah. But tennis players, just or the ones that are having second thoughts, just need to open up, look at the stats, look what's happened in Melbourne, and just get it. It's, yeah. Yeah. If there's yep, one, pretty much. Yep, go to your doctor, get sorted. You know, make sure you know which one is best for you, and go from there. But yeah. it's it, yeah. it, it's paramount. And I think if you're going to enter this country and be a member of our public for the for, for the time that you are here, uh, you need to make that sacrifice not for yourself but for the community around you, because we don't yep. want this to spread anymore. We just we just can't have another lockdown. We can't. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wonder, Val, like at the end of the day, whether it's tennis players or, you know, old Joe Bloggs down the street, I just, I can't help but, but really wonder about people who are hesitant to get the vaccine, like why why they're hesitant. Like I, I get that, you know, they'll probably reel out, you know, it's only, it's it's been developed in a really short time frame and, you know, all that jazz. But I, I just I just can't fathom the, like juxta, juxtaposing the pros against the cons of being unvaccinated. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, neither, it really doesn't. Joel, neither. Neither. And it's those people that go, oh, I've done my own research. And it's like, yes. 
Yeah, but where have you done that research? Go to your doctor. That's that's the research you need to be doing. Don't be looking at um, you know, joesmith.com because that's <laughs> not a reputable source. That could be anyone. <laughs> I can start my own website right now and start saying that, you know, um, this person is a fraud, the vaccine is fake, and just spreading all this sort of fake news, say that I'm reputable reputable, and someone's going to believe me. Just go to your doctor, get things yeah. sorted, go to a reputable source, ask a scientist, whatever. I, I, I don't care. Just And, and yeah, and this thing, well, these things, because there's a few vaccines now, these things were developed by actual, oh, researchers. Yeah. Professional researchers, not, you know, old, old mate, you know, pumping... Uh, Pumping some keywords into Google. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, let's move on from that anyway. because, uh, yeah, because Indian we're, Wells. we're getting, let's do yeah, it. Indian <laughs> Wells. Yeah. What a tournament. It was, it was, it was unreal. Um, like, who, if I had told you that Cam Norrie would win the men's and Paula Badosa would take out the women's title, what would yeah. you, what would you have done before the tournament? Would you have struck me, Joel? Because I, I feel like you would have. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have done that, but I probably would have. A uh, couple of swear I probably words. would have laughed. I, I would have done like an evil laugh of sorts. Yeah. Like because, a, yeah. yeah, I would have been like, Val, come on. What? 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 Yeah. Nori and Vidosa, come on. That's exactly what happened. And uh, the, the men's draw was, was just so bizarre. And we thought it was Daniel Medvedev's title to lose. Um, just mainly because the way he was playing and what he did at the US Open, he just looked like such a brick wall, didn't he? He, he looked absolutely mm. phenomenal in uh, in the lead-up. And, yeah, all of a sudden comes up against Grigor Dimitrov. He's up a set and a break, and Dimitrov does what Dimitrov can do, but unfortunately can't do it consistently enough and, and beats him and then uh, loses to Nori in the um, in the semifinals. And, yeah, that, and that yeah. was pretty much all. But, yeah, it was uh, Nori to come back from a set down against Nikolaus Basilashvili, who was unbeaten in his last five finals before this encounter dating back, I think, to 2017. So he has a good record in finals, does the the uh, the big-hitting Georgian, and took the first set, was up a break in the second. Norrie was mani- managed to break back straight away, and, uh, and and then that was all she wrote. The final set, Norrie just worked his way into the match beautifully, um, played some inspired tennis, and, and the way he was able to counterpunch and get balls back and retrieve and scramble and make Basilashvili hit ball after ball after ball before he got so frustrated that the error came. And he and you could see visibly on his face that Basilishvili was like, I there is nothing I can do to get past this man. And Norrie was was it was pure magic those those final two sets, what he was able to produce. And yeah, a, a well deserved winner. He's had a phenomenal year. And he's sitting uh, he's sitting tenth in the race to London, which he, or race to Turin, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Insane. Insane. Yep, incredible. Yeah, he really did have a good tournament, and and on top of that, has had a good year, as you said, Val. And like Cameron Norrie's style of play, that kind of counter punching style, that's that's the one really where, you know, if you're playing one of those sort of heavier hitting guys, because let's face it, Cameron Norrie will never probably be that guy that you know smacks a you know, forehand or backhand winner down down the line as as much as a guy like let's just use Nicolas yep. as an example. That's kind of when. If those harder hitting guys are slightly off, that's where really you can get yourself back in the match and, and get them. And that's what he did on this occasion. Even though not to say that that Nicholas was was off because obviously he won the first set, but in this case he kind of just worked his way back into the match progressively. And mm. 
you know, it was great to see. We we love seeing we love seeing, especially on the men's side. Obviously, on the women's side too, we like seeing new champions. But on the men's side, especially because there haven't been a lot of them in the last two decades, really. So it was great to see Cam Norrie win the event and uh, to see Nikolaus um, in the final as well. But then, like, if you look back as far as the quarterfinals, like we've got you've got Nikolaus, you've got you've got Cam Norrie, Grigor Dimitrov. Obviously, we. We spoke about, and when the event was going on, we were like, "Oh, is, is Grigor back suddenly?" You know, we've spoken so much about him, and whether he can actually get it done still at this point in his career, and it was looking good for him, and then just couldn't quite get it done. But you know, um, Taylor Fritz, like, didn't expect that, and then no. you you look at the guys that that um, that uh, that got beaten, like Stefanos Sitsipas, um, Sasha Zverev, Uber Urkash. Diego Schwartzman, mm. um, you know, list goes on. Like round of sixteen, Medvedev, um, Gael Monfi, Casper Ruud. You know, um, what a great tournament! It was just, it was refreshing to see new winners progressing. Yeah, you're right, and that is that is a great word. I think refreshing because it was. It was so nice to see who we got. We had Fritz versus Basilashvili, and then we had uh, Nori and Dimitrov. And yes, Dimitrov had won one Masters one thousand before, but. Um, you know, none of them had really achieved big things at Indian Wells, and it was great to see such a such a wonderful lineup there, and all a little bit different. And a lot of people were saying that you know maybe it's not so good for tennis to see that um the, the, the top players are having these inconsistent results because we saw oh, who said that I saw a couple of tweets. I saw oh, a couple. Geez. There's always there's always those negative Nancys, aren't there? Oh. Always, what a terrible take. They are always there. But it, this was one of the best things for tennis that we could have had in a very long time, especially men's tennis. He's taken down Tennis Sandrin, our, one of our favorites uh, in three. He's taken down Bautista Agu. He's taken down Tommy Paul, Diego Schwartzman, Grigor Dimitrov, and Nicolas Basilashvili. So a phenomenal tournament from Cam Norrie. A, a wonderful tournament from Nicolas Basilashvili. Um, Andy Murray and Alexander Zverev. Great to see Andy Murray performing at the highest level again because he's playing some awesome tennis at the moment. A big yeah. three-hour, 45-minute match against uh, uh, Francis Tiafo in Antwerp oh. the other night, um, unfortunately falling to um, Diego Schwartzman again uh, in uh, in the second round last night. But great to see Andy Murray back um, playing at, at a really decent level. Um, and then you got the women's side of things where Paula Badosa, what an epic encounter this was in the final. Uh, Victoria Azarenka down a set, loses the first in a tiebreak. Uh, wins the second 6-2, serves for the match in the third set, broken immediately back. And uh, Paula Badosa comes up, and it was a 21-seed fest, I guess, because Norrie was the 21st seed, and Badosa, 21st seed. So amazing result, winning that one 7-6 in a tiebreak, but also defeating Anjabur, um, who's in the top 10 this week, which is an amazing yeah, effort. First too. Arab player to achieve that. Um, beat Angie Kerber in straight sets, beat Barbara Krejcikova in straight sets, beat Coco Goff in straight sets, and beat uh, hard-hitting Ukrainian Diana Yastremska in uh, in three. So that is a very, very, very difficult draw for Bedosa to come through. And the fact that she did it for the loss of just two sets, uh, that's insane. Yeah, it really is. And I actually... I flicked this match on uh, Val in the in the second set, and uh, of, of course, Vico was looking like she was uh, really running away with it, winning that one six two in the end. Um, and from that point on, I mean, really, you, you've got to think at that point that when you've got someone as seasoned as Vika is, who knows success, who knows how to get the job done, even though, of course, she's sitting um, 
she was sitting 27th in, in the seeding. So I guess when you look at it from that point of view, probably the underdog in some respects. Um, but I think when you look at it for what it is, you'd have to say that she's the favourite against Paola Bedosa. Oh, so yeah. you know, to, to see to see Paola really regroup in that third set and and come away with a, a tough win in, in a three-hour, four-minute match, um, yeah, fantastic for her. And, you know, we talk about, your players that are, you know, sort of looking for that kind of breakthrough or, or you know, something that can really elevate them to the, the next level. I mean, you have to think that that this is this is that for her. Oh, I agree. And and she's been she's been knocking on the door, but yeah, to win such a big title and to beat such a such a, a difficult player to beat in such a high level and, and such an anticipated matchup in the final of what they call the fifth slam. Um Yeah. Yeah, it, it, magnificent. It was a magnificent tournament from Paula Bedosa and what and now she she's one that's that's looking at a possible berth in in the WTA finals in Guadalajara. Um I think uh, Maria Sakari is about to qualify for that or if she might have just done so. So brilliant effort from her. But then if you look at the the actual draw um and and how it transpired. A lot of the players did, like the top players and top seeds, did lose fairly early. You had Pliskova go down in um, in the third round. You had, um, uh, who else was in there? Um, Maria Sakari go down in her first match. So in the second round, you had um, Tomjanovic defeating Gabinia Muguruza in the uh, in the second round. Um, Petra Kvitova going out in round three. Simona Halep going out in round three. So it, it continued to happen throughout the entire event. And Alina Svitolina, she was um, she was pretty much smacked off the court by Jessica Pagula um, in the fourth round. So it continued to happen throughout the entire event, and it was it was phenomenal to watch. I really really enjoyed it. And women's tennis again just produces the results that we don't expect. Yep, it does. It does, and long may it continue. It's great, and um, yeah, as we said earlier, hopefully it's now starting to creep in a little bit on on the ATP as well. Let's hope so. But now it is time for our very special guest, Luke Saville. And Luke Saville does join us now. He's in, uh, he's in. I was going to say sunny Moscow, but I don't think it would be sunny <laughs> over there. I reckon it would be getting pretty cold at the moment. But Luke Saville does join us now. And thanks so much for joining us, mate. I know it's been uh, it's been a long trip for you. And um, it, it's great to see your face after some uh, after a pretty uh, pretty consistent year on your part. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Um, yeah, it might look a little bit sunny in my room, but it's definitely pretty cold out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, but uh, yeah, it's been you know it's been a pretty pretty long year, bit of a bit of a struggle. Um, but uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, it's um, you know, reasonably proud that um, you know I've got to you know the end of October and and still going and and playing reasonably well. The <clears throat> the last you know, probably a couple of months have been a bit more of a struggle for myself personally. Um, but, you know, I'm you know, hanging in there. JP and I were, um, you know, we're trying to strike up a combination at the moment and we're doing everything possible to, um, you know, really build that chemistry and, and make it a long-term partnership. So um, in terms of, you know, myself, I'm, I'm happy um, overall with the year I've had. Um, you know, I came over here early March and, and I've stuck it out with a bunch of my other Aussie Aussie mates, um, and you know I think uh, um, you know looking forward to getting home. There's a few announcements today back in Australia that um, have definitely lifted the mood over here for a lot of us Australians. 
Yeah, and I guess how, how much so how much would you have to travel or would you normally travel back uh, to Australia during just any other normal year to get back and maybe just recharge the batteries for a couple of weeks and then head back out on the road? And how many of those trips have been or have been non-existent this year because you've there's quarantine and you'd probably have to miss about a month of tennis if you had to do all that sort of stuff again? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, obviously, this year we can't we can't go back first because you know basically no flights. But yeah, it really sets you back a month. I've enjoyed one set of hotel quarantine end of last year, and uh, you know I came out of that feeling reasonably average on court for at least a week, <clears throat> um, it, and it was very um, it was a very strange one because usually I feel you know reasonably good on court, but just I was getting niggles sort of all over my body. Um, that I've never really felt before. So yeah, it really set me back, you know, three and a half, four weeks of training. So yeah, basically impossible for Australians to come back this year. Um, really the only example was, was Ducks. Uh, my good mate, he came back sort of after Miami, did his hotel quarantine, got a really good training block in and then came back over and it's obviously worked for him, which I'm, which I'm thrilled about. He's a great guy. And uh, like you mentioned um, before the show, he, um, you know, is at a career high now. So um, no one more deserving of that. Um, but yeah, there's, um, you know, probably in a normal year between, you know, maybe four and six times I'd get back to Australia. Um, it's an interesting one because it's my first full year on the doubles tour. So I haven't, um, you know, in that sense, you would play a lot more um, because, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of points to sort of stay up there. So you've got to play a lot more doubles events. Usually I play a lot more in Asia. Um, and obviously we haven't been able to play in Asia for two years because of the restrictions there. So getting home from Asia is much easier, um, you know, same time zone, shorter flights, et cetera. So it's, uh, you know, obviously I've been based a lot in Europe this year, the state. So yeah, between four and six times, but yeah, like I said, I set you for training back too far to come back this year. And, um, you know, we've had to stay over here. I've used, uh, you know, Knoxville, Tennessee as a bit of a base this year. I've got my good mate, uh, Jared Chaplin there, who's the assistant coach of the women's tennis team there. So, He's been great. I get everything I need there in Tennessee. So I've personally used that as a base. Um, a few Australians have, you know, used some places in Europe. Uh, you know, some of the boys have gone down to Demonar's place down in, um, in Spain and Alicante. He's really helped out as well. So we've sort of just scrapped. We've scrapped away. We've tried to find places to have our weeks off, um, refresh a little bit as we aren't allowed to get home. Uh, but, you know, we've just sort of done what we can this year and, um, and yeah, it's been it's been not easy. Just on that sort of travel element, Luke, and I guess kind of having to relocate yourself to sort of get by on the on the tour in the in the pandemic times. Like, is that kind of like a shock to the system? And I guess how much does that change your routine to kind of have to set yourself up in a different place, and I guess have to really be agile and kind of readjust along the way. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been really difficult. It's been um, you know I haven't been able to see my coach and fitness trainer for seven months. Um, I've got a guy um, who I really like filling in for the last couple of months. Rowan Williams, another Australian guy who's uh, based over in Europe at the moment. So um, that's that's been great. But yeah, I mean I haven't been able to see them. So you know probably you know there's a few things in my game that that need you know fine tuning when I get back to Australia. Um, but just in terms of, you know, I, in normal years, I, I'm someone that likes to get back to Australia quite a bit. Um, I like to, you know, just sleep in my own bed and, and freshen up and, um, 
you know, when I'm traveling, even when I do take weeks off and I go to Tennessee or if I go to you know, somewhere in the States or Europe and, and chill out and take some days off, I don't really feel like I'm freshening up just personally, um, uh, which is, which is a difficult thing, you know? So it's kind of, uh, there's no switching off. So, you know, I played, I actually played a lot up until, uh, Wimbledon. I played pretty much every week when I got over here, which I think was about, you know, three or four months straight. So I took a couple of weeks off in Tennessee after that. And that was, that was nice. I put the rackets down for a week and then went again and, and started, uh, the Olympics. So it's been, um, you know, you've just got to find ways to um, switch off when you can, when you're on tour um, and find ways to relax. But yeah, then again, in these bubbles that are slowly sort of um, easing out, sort of phasing out a little bit, they're, they're even more difficult because you struggle to actually leave the, the hotel and courts, which makes it more difficult. So there's been a bunch of challenges that we've had to work through, but I think it's, you know, it definitely make a lot of Australians stronger for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, and mentally, what does it do when you are on the court? Uh, when, when you head out there on the doubles court, is it, is it actually nice to have your teammate out there and just say, oh, look, this is, you know, we're in this together and you've got that extra person there? Or is it, is it just hard to get motivated when you've been traveling for so long and you haven't been able to, to, to come home at all? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. I think, um, motivation is never a big issue for me personally, but yeah, at, at the end of a long trip when, you know, home's a couple of weeks away and, you know, so your family and friends and whatnot, that's, it's definitely, you know, it, it's maybe there's an attitude of, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, it's almost a win-win, I guess, you know, no matter what the result is, which sometimes isn't, isn't the best mentality of course, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it can also create um, some more anxiety when you're over here and, you know, you kind of feel, you know, what you're sacrificing to be over here. So there's, you know, there's more importance on the match. So that could maybe increase the tension if you like. Um, but yeah, I mean, the doubles is, it's, you know, it's a short format. There's a, it's, you know, it's high pressure as it is. So you've got to try and find a way to play relaxed, play with freedom um, and, you know, and, and play those big points well, because, you know, as you guys know, in, in doubles, it's you know really the difference of, three, four, five points in a match, more than a singles match. And so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely that, that balance of, you know, enjoyment and whatnot. But yeah, I think at this point, you know, a lot of Australians are, are sort of on the end of the, of the season pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, I definitely don't blame you. I'm not sure how I would have coped. Me, me and you, Joel, uh, I'm not sure how we would have gone <laughs> not being able to come home for, for so long. I'm yeah. a bit of a creature of habit. So uh, being home is quite nice. But when do you get to make the trek home, Luke? And when, when are the flights booked? And uh, when do you get to finally come home and, uh, and see? What, what's the wedding hashtag that, you've, uh, that Daria has settled on? <laughs> I couldn't tell you guys, actually. She, um, not yeah, allowed. She Beast her own drum a little bit, Dasha. So um, <laughs> yeah, I gave uh, I gave some input there, but I'm not sure what she settled on. But yeah, yeah, get married early December. So yeah, got to get back for that. Um, and yeah, no no flight book yet. Um, but yeah, got St. Petersburg next week yep. uh, with JP, the Paris Masters with with Alex Demonar, and then I'll look to come home after that. So yeah, really two weeks to go. So. It's all, um, it's all looking positive. You know, the would have liked to have posted a few more results last few weeks, but um, I haven't, and that's the reality of it. I've got two more events to, to keep going. Um, 
you know, a couple pretty rough draws the last few weeks yeah. as well, to be honest. Um, but that's that's how it goes, of course. Um, you know, you get some good ones and bad ones. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple of weeks and looking to finish strong um, and then, you know, take some time off at home. But yeah, you know, obviously it's been a bit of a struggle over here, but all us Australians, you know, we're, we're on social media and we, we keep track of what's happening down in Australia. And, you know, on, on one hand, we're, we're definitely fortunate that we were able to travel in, in you know, during this pandemic um, and, and, you know, at least do what we love, you know, and work as well. So it's not it's not all um, doom and gloom, of course. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, it's positive that the tour is slowly getting back on its feet as well and, and getting back to some sort sort of normality. And it sounds like the Australian Open could be back to pretty normal, um, you know, full crowds and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and you know, as you know, spectators and especially as players, that's you know very positive and. For us, you know, for us, it's the best time of the year, of course, January um, in Melbourne. Yeah, it doesn't get much better. I did have a sneak peek at the new court last week, and it actually looks really, really good just out near uh, Grand Slam Oval. But talking about the results and the unlucky draws that you've had, you are not wrong. You've had to play so many top doubles teams. There was, um, I think it was in, uh, where was it, in Sofia, you ended up against um, Ken Skupski and, um, and Omara there. And then at Indian Wells, you got Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram, who... I think they'd be your mortal enemies after the Australian Open final last year. And then this week, you get Andre Rublev and Karen Hashinov, who both are very, very accomplished doubles players. So how difficult is that when doubles, I guess the, there is a lot more luck of the draw, I guess, in, in who you have to play. Um, how, like, how, how do you cope with that when you know there's different teams you have to play and you have to come up with different tactics? Is it more just from your side of the net with what you focus with with JP? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. We're just trying to, you know, really nail down our brand of tennis and, and our chemistry right now, and our patterns of play and, and all that sort of thing. And you know, we've played together in the past, and we really enjoy each other's um, company out there. I love playing with JP. He's a really positive guy and brings a lot of energy. And you know, it's sort of, um, you know, it's always his fault. You know, it's, it's, he's not one to, to <laughs> lay the blame on on his partners or anyone else. It's always on him, which. I feel like I'm a little bit the same as well. So that's, you know, why we, we, we gel pretty well. Um, you know, in terms of the draws, that's just how it is. You know, I, we obviously can't control that. We've, I've had my fair share of good ones. Um, the Indian Wells one is obviously, you know, difficult playing against those guys, probably, you know, the best team in the world right now. Um, you know, but even, even there we had big chances, you know, we're up in that super and, won the first set as well. And I you know, love playing with, with Cam Nori and then he goes and, and wins a singles event. So that was, that was pretty incredible. But again, like, like ducks, great guy. And you really do love seeing great guys who work hard and stay humble. And, you know, you really like seeing them do well. So hopefully I can play with Cam, um, you know, in the future, you know, some more, you know, masters and whatnot, but um, and then this week to play those blokes in Russia um, indoors, there was some large balls coming at us. So, um, you know, we sort of had to, had to get our helmets out and, and, and be in the firing line a little bit, but yeah, we were, we were close in that second set, but just, um, <clears throat> weren't quite clean enough against a pairing like that. And it's always, always dangerous playing against guys like that, who, you know, coming out and their priorities are single. So they can really have a swing in the doubles. And it's just, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's a tough one, but. You know, hopefully, um, you know, next week it'll it'll change a little bit. But we just got to keep taking care of 
what we do, um, keep, you know, training hard. And, and if we can improve our level and get it to a certain you know, level where we're happy with, um, you know, regardless of draws, if we keep playing, you know, a lot of events, it, it'll turn for us. So we're, we're confident of that. Luke, I've got to ask you about uh, coming up against Andre because uh, when you're in the firing line of Andre Rublev, you certainly know about it. And uh, Bell and I, uh, we like to uh, joke about the, uh, the the boy when he uh, he really gets going. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's it like to be, I guess, on the other side of uh, of that? Because uh, I guess, sort of putting myself in the in the opponent's shoes of of Andre, I can uh, only imagine it's uh, a little intimidating. Yeah, it was. It was very intimidating, actually. He. He hit some shots that I've I've really never seen, I've never seen come at me, um, to be honest. Um, and the returning was was impressive. Even his serving um, was very big. So the the whole the whole lot was was tough. Um, just some balls. Probably the biggest thing was like there was nowhere you could volley or or serve or hit the ball where you were going to get like, you know, a bit of a slower ball you know, a bit of a, a bit of a let up. So that was, that was the difficult thing. Um, you would hit, you'd stick some good volleys deep and he'd be on the back foot and he would, he would crush one. So it was, uh, it was, it was difficult. That was, that really put everything to the test um, with our network for sure. Um, having those two guys on the baseline just ripping. So, but that's, that's really the benchmark where we need to get to. We need to get to the point where, you know, we're comfortable being up there against guys like that because we really have to be, you know, we both volley great, but we have to be a wall up there and be very solid. So it's, uh, it is good experiences playing those good singles guys. There's no doubt because, you know, winning those types of matches definitely um, builds the, you know, the belief, even though, you know, obviously singles is their priority and um, their strength, of course, but if you can beat them on a doubles court, it definitely builds, um, you know, that, that self-belief, you know, going forward, just, just, in tennis in general. So, um, you know, we've got two more events to really try and um, post you know, a couple of wins. 100%. And both of them have had um, or extensive or extensive double success. They've, they've been phenomenal. I think I'm positive that they've won a Masters 1000 together at, at some point. I think it might have happened at Paris a couple of years ago. I know one of them was definitely around in the finals. So, um, no, both of them are absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to touch, before we let you go, um, Cam Norrie, you did play doubles with him, and you did uh, touch on that at Indian Wells. He goes on to win the singles title in one of the most bizarre Indian Wells tournaments that I've <laughs> ever seen. Um, what did you make of, of what he was able to achieve and, and the entire tournament as a whole? Because... It was it was so nice, I guess, to see two fresh faces in a Masters one thousand final. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable to see that. No one obviously saw it coming. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys didn't. None nope. of the players did. Um, I I haven't spoken to him about it. We we get along great, but you know, I'd tell him to his face that I was surprised, um, and <laughs> I think he'd agree. So, yeah, it's you know it's. It's an interesting time with with men's tennis. I think um, you know the the top guys obviously weren't there, so there's that opportunity for for some guys. Um, Vasilashvili is an interesting one as well. He's really you know like a, a first round or a final win sort of guy. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was back in I was back in Cam in a lot of his matches that you know you know the draw opened up for him, but even even you know early on he beat Batista which is just a, a great win. That guy is as tough as it gets. Um, mm. You know, you, you know, you have to hit a thousand balls to beat him. So, but yeah, just 
Cam's a really interesting one. He's a year younger than me, um, you know, obviously from New Zealand. And he really wasn't even on the radar at all uh, when we were younger. I didn't even really know him. But he, he went to college and, you know, when he was 18 and, and just improved so fast, especially, you know, sort of in his, I think it was his second, third years, just really came on the map. And I think in his last year, I heard a stat, he was the highest ranked uh, ATP player to still be at college in history. I think he was maybe like 230, 220. And, and someone like him, you know, he, you know, he's not the most talented guy on the planet, but he just works, works so hard. Um, very loyal to his team, which I respect a lot. He's had the one coach in his corner for, you know, since I think he turned pro and, and actually, yeah, that's awesome. and that guy went to college with him actually. Um, and it was on the same team. So it's, um, you know, they've sort of brought some guys in to, to consult, but he's always been there, very loyal, um, very nice guy, but just just competes really hard. And yeah, I just got you know, nothing but great thing to say. I love seeing guys like that do well. It's just really nice. And same as, same as Ducks as well. You know, one of my best mates on tour, best mates in general, um, all the injuries he's gone through. And for him to be back, you know, to sort of top 50 is, is awesome. So... Um, but yeah, the, the Indian Wells tournament is one of the best stops on tour. It was, you know, definitely right out of the way in terms of scheduling. I was in mm. Europe the week before, had to go there and then back to Europe. So the, the body clocks are over the joint at the moment. So um, that was a tough one. But you do make the exception to go to go to Indian Wells, go to California. The, the weather was nice. Um, played a couple of rounds of golf. So it was um, yeah, it was a good tournament, and personally, I played a good match and and just fell short in a super ten eight. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. I think um, there was a few stats there at the quarters stage. Um, yeah, like there was no one who'd won a Masters. I can't remember the stat, but yeah, there was a, some crazy stat that had never been never been before. So um, good to see someone coming through. And if if Noz could make a Turin, that'd be a ridiculous effort. So. Um, no, nah, no, nah, good on him for sure. Yep, considering especially where he started the year, he was um he wasn't even close to a Turin berth, and then all of a sudden he's he said in the ATP, uh, I think it was tennis TV, they asked him who's going to have a breakout year, and he said Cam Norrie. So he was bang on the money. But um, just one last thing before I let you go because I know I said that in the last question, but um, <laughs> the Olympics, the last time we spoke to you, Olympic selection was on the cards. You got selected. You went to Tokyo. How was it? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, it was well, it was amazing. There was no no words to really describe it. Um, the experience, um, you know, obviously there was there was no crowds in, in Tokyo, so it would have it would have been incredible with with crowds. Honestly, I don't want to um, talk it down too much, but you know, it was just a little bit disappointing in that sense. There was you know, big big stands sort of set up, and um, they were really they were really preparing for you know some big turnouts, but it wasn't to be. But in terms of the whole experience and um, the opening ceremony, I went there when there were ducks. Um, the the village life that was I think the village life was probably the coolest thing. Um, if I had to point something out, um, being in there with all the other athletes, um, being in the Australia House with I think it was four fifty Australians there um, in in the big building, um, and just yeah, just being part of that environment and that atmosphere was. That was the best thing for me. Um, they had a few sort of TVs set up out the front. Um, you probably saw some videos and uh, we played sort of some cricket out there. And um, and then when the games actually started, 
uh, with they'd play all the sports, all the events out on the TVs, and then like we did obviously so well in the swimming. So they had a lot of the finals of the swimming and just really everyone getting up and about. You know, there was just no limit on the cheering and, and all that sort of thing. And sometimes you know hundreds out there for the big for the big final. So that was um, that was the best experience to me in that sense. And then just yeah, just sort of you know not knowing any of the other athletes, but walking around, being a lift with them, and just knowing you're there as, as the one team. That was the best experience to me. Um, and then just yeah, like the Australian, like the the Australian staff, they did such a good job. They had a barista there for us, so really good Australian coffee. Ooh, yes, uh, they had um, a little uh, what they call it, uh, like a little I guess like canteen, little little food um, store in the. Uh, recovery bar that's what they called it in um in the australia house in the, in the basement where we went there and had all sorts of australian food um they brought over a bunch of vegemite and oh, um, nice. the, the and um yeah like they brought it all over on the couple charters that they had so after being on tour for you know, it's really sort of the halfway mark of our trip um just to be able to get some aussie food and um aussie accents around us and they really fitted it out with you know kangaroos and all this sort of thing so that was the coolest thing um, for me. And, and Tokyo did a ridiculous job as well. The, the food court having like literally thousands and thousands of athletes go through there every day and, you know, really good food. And um, yeah, it, it was a great experience. And um, in terms of the tennis, I snuck into singles, which was a, which was a shock. Um, I was second alternate max, Maxi got the first one. Then, then I, and you know, I'd, probably 30 minutes uh, notice <laughs> that I had to get out there and play her catch. So, I know. Um, yeah, and I actually played, I played okay. I, I lost uh, four and two, um, but I was, you know, I was hanging with him early and actually had a couple of chances, but, you know, I did admirably. And then, um, and then playing with Johnny was, was cool as well. Um, we played against two guys who actually played very well. They played a great match. Um, Marak and Oswald, two Austrians. Um, but Johnny and I, we, we fought, we fought to the end. We, we left everything out there, but yeah, we just, uh, simply weren't good enough. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go back. Um, I'd love to go back one day. Well, I can guarantee, I reckon it's going to happen. I'm calling it now. Savile for the 2024, where is it? LA? No, Paris, Paris. That's uh, the one. No, it Paris. is pa- yeah. Paris. Yeah, it is Paris. Yeah. I'm getting all the LA's the next one, and then we got Brisbane after that. So um, no, nah, I reckon you'll be there, mate. Don't worry. And Milman and Savile just has such a nice ring to it because they are the two best blokes on tour that uh, that we that we know anyway. Um, but Luke, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. You've had a great year, mate. It's been a really really tough one, and we are so proud of you and what you've been able to achieve, as well as all the other Aussie players. It's been a massive slog. So well done to you, and thank you for joining us again on Breakpoint. Thanks, for having me, boys. Good job. Thank you. Luke Savile there joining us on Breakpoint Podcast. And as I said, one of the best blokes on tour, Joel, and him and John Millman. What a mighty team that that would be. And how good would it be to see those two winning a doubles Grand Slam? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Just the vibes of those two guys put together would be something else. And yeah. we were talking, obviously, with Luke just uh, in the last bit of that interview about the Olympics. And, well, hopefully he, he, makes, um, he makes Paris. And then, of course, LA after that. But if we're looking down the track, we've got Brisbane. So probably won't be around unless uh, probably won't be around unless he really looks after himself. But can you imagine John Millman representing Australia at the Olympics in Brisbane with someone like Luke Savile? I think that would be 
absolutely incredible. We're probably going to run out of time, but it's just a really teasing thought, I reckon. It would be, but Millman will be over 40 at that point, so I'm not sure yeah. that's going to happen. But, look, we can dream. We can dream. Um, maybe can we Alan- have like can we have like um can we have like the legends doubles as an Olympic event just for that year, That's just so we can play? Not a bad idea, Chol. That is not a bad idea. I quite like that. I quite like that a lot. Um, but look, we we touched on some interesting points with Luke, and the fact that the and the, the Australians it has been a hard, hard, hard year, and. I'll add another hard in there because that's as hard as it's been. Um, and Luke obviously saying he's been gone since March, um, since the end of the Australian summer. Um, it's been difficult to watch the Australian players because they just haven't been able to come home. They've, they've had to base themselves and some have gone to Alicante. I think John Millman said he's gone to Alicante where Demon All lives, um, based himself out of there a bit. Luke obviously in Knoxville. Um, and Chris O'Connell said he's in split in Croatia. So... Uh, you could be in worse places, but um, the, the yeah. fact that you can't actually get home, that would be so difficult because you lose a month of tennis pretty much because you'd have to quarantine for two weeks. You have, what, another week at home, then you got to fly out. So that's four weeks that you miss. And there's no point really doing it. And financially, it's probably not viable to go and, and spend money on a on a quarantine stint in the middle of the season when you could be earning it. So, um, yeah, yep. James Duckworth did it, and it's worked wonders for him. He's had a phenomenal year, and if he doesn't get ATP Comeback Player of the Year, I will absolutely vomit all over the place <laughs> because there's no one that deserves it more. Nobody. I'll spew up. <laughs> uh, the, the old Terry Wallaceism. I will spew up. If you haven't watched AFL or heard of AFL, if you're an international listener, uh, uh, just search Terry Wallace. I will spew up and you will not be disappointed because it's fantastic. Um, Plough is actually a really good man. He's a fantastic human being. But, um, yeah, it, it's been really difficult for them. So hopefully we can see... Um, see the Aussies have a little bit more success and a little bit more of an easy time of things in 2022 because of all the tennis players out there, the Aussies, and this isn't bias, this isn't anything else, they just do deserve it because they have been disadvantaged more than any other country. Absolutely. And the Australian players really are already more disadvantaged you know, before the pandemic. They're, they're always disadvantaged because of the because of how far away we are and the fact that Let's be real. At the the majority of events around the world, there's there were really none, probably other than the Asian swing in a lot of places. Which, of course, really hasn't been a thing in the last two years that actually align to the Australian time zone. And and I mean, obviously, the players would probably be used to that by now. But you know, when they do go home, it would it would take some adjusting to. And really, at the end of the day, the thing that underpins this is that you know, yes. During the pandemic, a lot of a lot of us haven't been able to work, and you know, and, and tennis players have been able to travel and they've been able to do their job, um, earn money. But look, and we'll, let's not even start on the money because <laughs> the Australian players would have had to have spent a lot more money to make things happen. But anyway, can of worms beside the point. They're all human at the end of the day. Like we're all we're all human. We all have loved ones. We all have families that we want to that we want to see and. Really, they 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 can't come back and see them unless they make massive sacrifices themselves, no. like in in a financial sense, in a in a uh, I guess the point of view from you know spending time locked in hotels. So 
we, I mean, and I can see why they actually don't want to complain or, you know, they don't want to say anything about it because then they'll, they'll be probably seen as a spoilt and you can see where they're coming from. But, you know, in, in that sense, we do need to have, you know, the empathy to at least understand that, yeah, even though they are doing their job and they get to travel, that, you know, they can't see the people that, you know, they care about. Yep, exactly right, and and it's been so difficult for them, and especially like Luke in his position as well. Um, you know, his incoming marriage and or upcoming marriage, and yeah, yeah it, it's it would be so difficult, and the fact that he hasn't been able to see Daria in, in however long, it's it's not easy. So well done to all the Australians this year, and and what they've been able to achieve because um, it, it's been a really really tough slog, but. It is time now, Joel, for our Benoit of the week. And oh, if Val, you remember, Val has been absolutely simmering for three weeks. I cannot wait. You remember on the last show, I said, I've got, if you were coming in on a 20 meter run up, I'm coming in on a week long run up. Well, it's been three weeks. <laughs> so, three week long run And he's managed to make it even worse over the past few weeks. Um, because of his vaccination stance, and that is Novak Djokovic. We've discussed the vaccination stance. I don't know why he can't just reveal it, but let's just move on from that. The fact that he was hanging out, and this is in Al Jazeera, so it's a reputable source. I've done my research. Very credible. It is Very credible news organization. He was pictured with an ex-commander of a feared paramilitary unit and... Uh, well, they committed war crimes, essentially. So Serbian tennis star Novak Djokovic has been criticised over a photo showing him alongside a former commander of the notorious Strina Wolves paramilitary unit, which participated in the genocide against Bosniaks in Srebrenica, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Images posted to Twitter on Sunday, which is now a few weeks ago, sitting at a table next to Milan Jolovic, a former commander who goes by the nickname of Legend. Now, oh, God. Wow. Just, uh, it's a slap in the face to anybody that was brutally, that had their lives brutally taken in that war. And uh, I've just got no words, Joel. Absolutely no words. And mm. yeah, it's, 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 what a, look is it? No, he just doesn't read the room. How many times <laughs> has he done this? And this is the player. That the Nolo fam aspired to be. I had some of them like a couple of my tweets because they all have that little crocodile to promote the Lacoste sponsorship. Or if you know a Djokovic fan, oh, that is so lame. On their Twitter name, they have a crocodile. Oh that is a Djokovic oh fan. That's when you know. I almost blocked them so because lame. I'm so angry that they can look up to this guy. He just doesn't make smart decisions. And I think Nick Kyrgios summed it up perfectly on his uh, Instagram uh, Q and A the other day when they said if he would, if um, someone asked if he was stuck on a desert island with Djokovic, what would he do? And he goes, "I would play hide and seek." <laughs> so Nick Kyrgios wins social media oh. for the week, and yeah, it just look honestly didn't read the room. I could go on, but um, yeah, I, I just thought it was really, really, really inappropriate for someone that's you know in such high esteem in that in that part of the world, and yeah, kids for, look up for to someone him. that's uh, and you're hanging for someone out. That talks, yeah, for someone that talks so much about positive vibes, to be hanging out with a war criminal is not great. No, no, not good at all. So 
Yeah, um, we'll just leave it at that. Djokovic, uh, he's coming coming hard in the in the Benoit of the year. And um, yeah, I reckon he might just pinch it off Benoit Pair. Even though Benoit's Indian Wells was not very good, it was very, very, very on brand with um, with how he played against Francis Tiafo. Very on brand. He threw his racket yeah. over the net, Joel. Yeah, it was... He just looked... Like, I remember watching a little bit of that match. He just... I mean, we know this already, but it, it just... He always looks as though he's just given up, like... Every he's, point, it's like, is this guy there or not? <laughs> sometimes he's not. Sometimes he is. You just absolutely never know. But that's why we love Benoit Pair because he's hilarious. But Djokovic yep. is our Benoit of the Wagon. Joel, thank you very much for your efforts today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure as per usual. Nah, pleasure, mate. Sounding really good. And uh, gosh, I cannot wait to have a drink. Yeah, I can't wait to eat something. It's very, I'm very hungry right now. And yeah, I, I don't know what I'm having for dinner, but I will figure that out very, very soon. But uh, uh, this has been Val Ferber and Joel Frugi on Breakpoint Podcast. Remember, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, uh, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Facebook, the same as Insta as well. And then you can subscribe on Anchor. We're on there, our new podcasting platform, as well as Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts all the different podcast apps we are on there. It's been, as I said, Val Febo and Joel Frucci. Big thank you to Luke Saville uh, for joining us on a Breakpoint Podcast. We will catch you very soon.